Got some more details of BYU players that are standing out in spring ball, courtesy of some of our practice insiders we'll dig into. Also, the latest when it comes to the Pac-12 media rights still. How does it involve the Big 12? What is the latest when it comes to George Klyovkov and what the Pac-12 is trying to chase? Let's dig into all of that on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you so much for your support as always. And a couple of things before we get going here is apparently I am uh, feeding information that is getting onto message boards out there on social media. But hey, if if you're going to just pass off the information that you find here on this podcast as your own, so be it. But uh, just know that I don't appreciate it necessarily. And I would appreciate you guys. At least, you know, give us some credit where credit's due. Uh, of course, this information, a lot of it uh, comes by way of my own personal observations as well as those who are on the inside of the BYU football program. We call them our practice insiders. But uh, as I was talking yesterday about some of the guys that I am taking stock of two weeks into BYU fall camp, had one of our insiders I had not had a chance to catch up with in a little bit reach out to me. and We had a conversation. It actually came up uh, in a question that a person sent to me via social media. It actually DM'd me and said, Jake, you talked about the linebacking position. Uh, Micah Kafusi and Ace Kafusi, you felt like we're standing out, albeit pretty skinny dudes. Uh, obviously, social media has been ablaze, uh, showing some plays from Isaiah Glasker. What's the, what's going on with Isaiah? And now, uh, that conversation I had with this insider, and the latest thing with Isaiah Glasker is every time I have been out there at practice, he has not flashed. And let me be very clear, the reason why he hasn't flashed probably just simply due to circumstance. We only are out there as a media core. We see between 15 and about 25 Five minutes of practice. So we're seeing a small snippet of the entirety of practice. But in talking with our one of our sources, one of my sources here, one of our insiders, he said that Isaiah Glasker is showing some very nice signs as a guy who's making the move from safety to playing linebacker for BYU. Similar to Ace and Micah Kafusi, according uh, to this person, he is still pretty skinny. I, they list him at 6'5", 220 pounds, but I can tell you this much. I watched Glasker in, in high school and he's got a frame that could pack on probably Probably 240 pounds if he really wanted to push it and probably hopefully retain the speed that he had as both a wide receiver and a defensive back at the high school level. But uh, what I was told is that Isaiah Glasker continues to flash every time he gets an opportunity. Is he perfect at linebacker? No. And as you would expect, a guy making the transition to playing up near the line of scrimmage versus a guy who's played the majority of his playing career either in the defensive backfield or out at wide receiver. It's a little bit of a different uh, thing to adjust to as a football player, but what they are telling me and what I've been hearing is that a lot of them are comparing him to the early goings of what a guy like Alani Fua showed for BYU. Now, Alani, if many of you recall, was a guy who was never the biggest linebacker nor the fastest, but what he was was a long, lean athlete who was capable of making plays both in the uh, pass defense side of things as well as run defense, and uh, that's a, that's actually a very good comp, I feel 
feel like for what Isaiah Glasker should aspire to be. Could he end up being a guy who is in the mold of a Fred Warner? It seems a little bit of a, of a stretch because Fred was very, very good at that flash linebacker position for BYU in the old defense and obviously has gone on to be an all-pro caliber linebacker in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. But Alani Fua is not a bad comparison for what Isaiah Glasker is trying to do. He's a tall athlete. I, I think Alani was listed at 6'5 or 6'6 and Alani ended up spending time in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals most notably. So I don't think that's a bad career arc for a guy like Isaiah Glasker if he's able to accomplish it. Now a couple of the notes that came out of the conversation I had is that the offensive line, it's not necessarily going to be a concern that the offensive line is going to be okay. They actually think that the offensive line will be actually more than okay. They think they'll actually be a pretty solid unit, and Aaron Roderick has expressed as such in some of his media sessions early on in spring camp. The bigger question is going to be, according to what I was uh, talking yesterday with this person, is that who ultimately comprises the starting five, and does that obviously cause some guys to be a little uh, what do you, upset, butthurt, whatever term you want to use about their position with the BYU football program. We'll see what happens, but it feels like they've got at least eight guys right now along that offensive front that are competing for playing time and or are starting caliber guys if they can live up to their expectations. One of them, Paul Miley, some of you have asked about this uh, in the uh, news uh, about his injury. Uh, I don't necessarily know the extent of the injury, but he's got one of those shoulder, uh, what do you call it, harnesses, not a harness, but it's got the shoulder uh, deal where the sling, that's what I'm trying to say, the shoulder sling that indicates he probably had a shoulder surgery of some type and he's sitting out spring ball. So the hope is that he'll heal up relatively quickly and get into summer workouts with his teammates. And then once training camp hits, he's able to go out there and show what he's capable of doing as a guy who has started double-digit games for the University of Utah before transferring to BYU as a grad transfer. So offensive line, uh, it sounds like, is actually in a fairly good spot, all things considered. Now the final note of the conversation I had uh, yesterday, I'm recording this on Monday night. It actually came from earlier today on Monday, but this is the Tuesday edition of the podcast is that when it comes to the overall uh, f- uh, situation with regards to the BYU defense, a lot of people out there, and I'm included in this group, that are just kind of standing by and uh, waiting to see what BYU's defense ultimately is going to look like once they take the field this fall. Uh, according to the conversation I had yesterday, there is cautious optimism that BYU actually has more tools than what Jay Hill originally anticipated them having going in when he came into the BYU football program. Is that just a circumstance of BYU wasn't utilizing the personnel correctly under Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb over the past few seasons. Only time will tell, but it sounds like there's at least some cautious optimism that the BYU defense actually could be better than we anticipate it being in the early run here in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I... Color me still a skeptic that that ultimately comes to pass, at least early on during the 2023 season. I think it's going to take some time, really, for this, for this defense to really gel and understand the ins and outs of what they're expected to do out there on the football field. But, hey, this person, their track record is pretty impeccable in terms of what they're talking about when it comes to the BYU defense. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, some uh, people inside that program believe that there's actually better pieces and maybe some more talent inside that unit that could be beneficial to the BYU. BYU football program, and like I said, I'm a little, that one's, I take it with a kind of a grain of salt there, but we will see. It's going to be a very interesting time. This Big 12 schedule, the Big 12 era for BYU is going to test this program in so many different ways, and I, I, I for one, I am excited just to be a part of it, and I'm looking forward to traveling a bit this year. I'm going to get to some road games, hopefully. I'm hoping to go out to a Big 12 media day and cover that, whether it's with my station, the KSL Sports Zone, or if I just decide to travel uh, independently and go uh, 
with Locked On to cover it. I will be out there, and I cannot wait to be a part of it and tracking all things BYU. Now, the last thing uh, before we switch over to some other notes when it comes to the Big 12 and Pac-12 is some of you asked a question on social media. You guys saw this hat I was wearing. If you're listening to this in the regular podcast form, it's actually a hat that's actually made by Wooden Grail. And uh, it's a hat. I got, I've had this hat, man, for... Phew, two, three years now, and uh, Wooden Grell is a BYU-centric company. It's actually uh, kind of built itself on making really cool merchandise involving BYU football. They started with the hat, or the hats, I guess they had a white version of the same hat that I was wearing yesterday that uh, BYU inlaid over each other, and they have kind of grown that out. They've uh, done multiple corduroy hats, where they do upside-down logos. They've actually even gotten into the t-shirt apparel business. They did a really cool shirt recently uh, for Lavelle Edwards. Uh, it was a legend t-shirt obviously, for the greatest coach in BYU football history. Uh, I cannot express enough. And trust me, Wooden Grill is not a sponsor on this show. If they were, I would tell you up front. I love that hat. I've had it, like I said, for years. And if you guys want to get it, get to woodengrill.com. Um, if they have a comment section, tell them the Locked On Cougars sent you. I'd love to have them sponsoring the show if they are interested. But uh, like I said, it's not, it's not a... It's, Paid deal, paid ad. It's not an advertisement for them. It's just a really cool hat. And some of you asked about that in the YouTube comments. That's where you can get it. Wooden Grell, W O O D N. There's no I in there. W O O D N G R A I L dot com. Wooden dot com. Check it out, guys. Really, really cool merchandise from the guys over there at Wooden Grell. All right, coming up here in just a minute. The latest when it comes to the Pac 12. Media rights, are they rolling on? We have some people saying that the, cl- the deal is not close to being done, while others. Homers, as I like to call them, are saying that it could happen as soon as today. We'll talk about all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been with us for a few months now, my friends, as the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Of course, the NCAA tournament has been absolutely rolling over the past weekend, and now is the perfect time for you guys to get in on the action with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers are getting what they call a no-sweat first bet. You get up to $1,000 back with bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Think about that, $1,000 up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained to every other prop bet, money line, uh, spread, whatever you're looking for. They've got it for you guys over at FanDuel. The best part is FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay as well. Don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. That's again FanDuel.com dot com slash locked on to learn more now make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. UCCU has opened a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate they are giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and what they call their new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection with a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate with UCCU right now enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. The winner will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is March 31st. Just a few days left for you to enter to win that 2023 Terex for UTV. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard or enter to win at uccu.com. The best part is you don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love 
where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you guys to make sure your second listener today is our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Our hosts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, are bringing everything you know about on and off the basketball court in the college game. Hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape as well. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So uh, yesterday was yet another day of the news involving the Pac 12 media ride still. Now, uh, this is stuff coming out, none of it from quote-unquote Big 12 country because there are people out there saying that Big 12 talking heads have been bamboozled by a, a PR firm. That very well may be the case, and they have been being uh, kind of fed a false bill of goods. But you have Pac-12 homers say that as soon as today, John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 hotline saying that as soon as today we could get some news out of the Pac-12 CEO meeting. Folks, the thing about this is the more this drags on, I am less and less inclined to believe anything when it's a hard and fast date. Now, what I am inclined to believe more, though, is when things from the New York Post and the Sports Business Journal come from the sports media side of things. Now, uh, John Orand and Andrew Marshand are guys who cover sports in terms of the overall media sphere. They cover it from a perspective, okay, how is this affecting ratings? What are the new moves inside the sports media uh, uh, universe? circumstance universe out there they had a very interesting piece in the new york post and i also some stuff on sports business journal saying that quote for the pac-12 to reach the 300 million dollar per mark to basically basically match the deal the big 12 received from espn and fox sports the most likely platform to pay that at this point would be apple which is what they had reported last month but the problem is and I have heard this from enough people, and I actually know this for a fact, is that Apple is the company that could potentially reach that number, but the problem is Apple goes on Apple Watch time, which is to say it doesn't jump for anybody. They didn't do it for the NFL, and it's filled in negotiations for the Sunday ticket. They didn't do it for Major League Soccer. So if the Pac-12 wants answers by April 15th, that's actually a new caveat there, uh, saying that there might be a drop-dead date from the Pac-12 of April 15th. Maybe it gets them from Apple, but it is not a sure thing. It is one of the most powerful and richest companies out there and its decision makers know that. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, Jake, what do you know about this? I just know that the Major League Soccer deal, it was a 10-year deal worth $2.5 billion annually. $250 million across the league every single year from Apple to, uh, Apple to take the entire rights, uh, streaming rights, for Major League Soccer teams, Real Salt Lake included among them. Now, when it comes to this, is that the Apple really just kind of strung things along and felt like in many ways to the very last possible second in terms of getting things in place in time for the 2023 season. There are some who will tell you inside the industry that Apple actually kind of hamstrung and hurt themselves in a way from the, uh, not having everything perfect, I guess, from its launch uh, just until days before the official launch. And some things have still not necessarily gone perfectly so far for Apple, but nonetheless, Apple very much is controlling all of this when it comes to the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 truly wants to get the number that they reportedly think they can get, Robert C. Robbins, the University of Arizona president, saying that he is very confident that the Pac-12 can eclipse the number that the Big 12 got in its media rights negotiations, that's going to be the case. According to what I'm hearing from John, or what we are hearing from John Orand, as well as uh, Andrew Marchand, is that the Pac-12 is going to have to kind of loan, or not loan, they 
going to have to give the majority of their media rights to Apple. Are you willing to do that? Because Apple TV and Apple TV Plus are in less homes than even Amazon Prime is right now. And Amazon Prime, last I heard, was in about 75 million homes nationwide. Apple is supposed to be somewhere around just north of half of that, around 40 or 45 million homes nationwide. You will be cutting yourself off if you're the Pac-12 from all kinds of linear TV in terms of people being able to flip over to you on their TV networks. Whether it's streaming or regular TV, a la carte, no matter what it is, you'll be cutting yourself off if that is what you're going to do. I use YouTube TV. I have been a cord cutter for the better part of a decade at this point, my friends. I have used Fubo TV. I did PS View back when it was a thing. I have worked with Hulu. I have worked with Sling TV. YouTube TV is my preferred provider out there. So I've been a cord cutter, but guess what? When it comes to being a cord cutter, this is a different deal because I can go on YouTube TV and scroll through my menu and find any game that's on linear TV, whether it's ESPN, the Fox networks, uh, whatever, CBS Sports Network. I can find all that inside my app on YouTube TV. Apple TV, though, it is a different deal. I have to close out of my YouTube TV app, scroll down to my Apple TV app, open that up, click on a few more buttons, and hopefully, if this is going to be how things are going to go for the Pac-12, find that game I'm looking to check out. The problem is, there are very few people who are going to be willing to make that sacrifice in terms of the opportunity to watch other games unless they're going to go with a second screen. Now, I am a guy who watches enough football that I am very adept at running multiple screens. I have been known to run up to four screens at once. Just ask my wife. I will have a laptop out. I'll have my iPad out. I'll have it on my big TV, and I'll also have it on my phone if I have to to track all the games I feel like I am needing to track. That is going to be the issue that you're going to have to kind of monitor if you're going to be a, a Pac-12 fan who, if this is going to go down and you want that type of money, Apple apparently wants all of it. According to what also they're saying is Amazon maybe wants one or two games in terms of a, a one or two games a week, a big game of the week on a Friday night, potentially for the Pac-12. And then ESPN is the only other linear partner of this still in the negotiation stages with the Pac-12. But... There is this caveat as well, is that ESPN, the quote is, if I can find this here, I apologize, I need to find the direct quote. Uh, according to the ESPN, the Pac-12 could turn back to ESPN and ABC, but the deal that was once on the table, the same $31 million per year per team that the Big 12 got, is no longer there. If the Pac-12 returns to ESPN, it will likely mean is willing to take less money in exchange for exposure, but then here is the kicker. At this point, a deal with ESPN is not close. Now, there are homers... You guys know who they are on social media who will tell you that everything's hunky-dory and the Pac-12 is playing their cards close to the vest and it's a good sign for the conference. We've had Taylor Randall from the University of Utah speak out, the president of the University of Utah. Robert C. Robbins from Arizona, Michael Crow from Arizona State all speak out in recent days. What is that all entailing? Are they trying to uh, set the narrative straight? Maybe so. But I trust guys like Andrew Marshan and John Orand when it comes to stuff like ESPN. They have contacts inside ESPN headquarters and whoever else you want to entail when it comes to these media rights deals. They're talking to the power players from the media side of things. And if they're seeing that ESPN is not close to a deal with the Pac-12, I guess a one-on-one -on -one deal or I guess a, a deal where ESPN controls the majority of the Pac-12 deal, I'd be inclined to believe them before I believe any of the other talking heads that are the what I like to call the Pac-12 homers out there. 
I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I still think the Pac-12 sticks together. I am very interested to see if this ultimately comes to fruition. If April 15th is a drop dead date, we are looking, we're under a month now, my friends. We got 11 more days here in the month of, uh, of, uh, of the month of March, and we got 15 days in the month of April. By mid-April, that's the drop dead date. You better get to work if you're George Klyovkov in the Pac-12. But let me reiterate one more thing if you're, if you're a BYU fan out there. It's the, what I need to reiterate to you. Just be happy that uh, what the Big 12 did is they locked themselves in. The Big 12 very well could be in similar circumstances to what the Pac-12 is doing right now and having to essentially hang on every word of all of these different things going on out there in the world. What I love about Brett Yormark is he kind of saw, I think, uh, the the winds coming, the I guess the winds of change coming when it comes to media rights and obviously the 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 economy. It's in rough shape. I don't I don't care what anybody tells you. It, I, I my pocketbook's feeling it. He realized, you know what, we need continuity right now. Will we probably take a little bit less early on in this deal to lock it in now? Yes, but think about how much more secure BYU in the Big 12's future is than the Pac-12 where they're still just kind of hanging out there and hoping and praying and saying, well, we're, we're pretty confident we're going to get there. Well, guess what? Confident and actually doing it are two very, very different things. We'll see where it all shakes out. So some very interesting comments as this saga plays out. And I, Let me just reiterate. Be happy as a Cougar fan that Brett Yormark I kind of saw the writing on the wall, realized what was going on, and locked in the near-term future for the Big 12. All right, coming up in just a moment, we'll round out today's show. I actually mentioned I needed to get to this on yesterday's show. I forgot to get to it. A transfer portal entrant from the BYU basketball program. Uh, what does it mean for BYU basketball? Also, look at where you can find two BYU baseball, uh, the BYU baseball and BYU softball team in action today. And also another look back at another game in BYU football history in 2014. We'll get to all of that in just a couple of moments. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. They've been working on this for the last month or so. And the best part is whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington. Washington County near St. George. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. The best part is they even have quick moving homes that are already built right now. If you're ready to move right now, they can get you into one of those homes. And they also are offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender if you're interested in that. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com today to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to check them out now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys are the engine that makes this go. I, I, your guys' support of the podcast, watching, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all the stuff you guys do uh, to make this go. I can't thank you guys enough for it, and thank you uh, for your kind words. A lot of you really enjoyed the conversations we've had with players in recent weeks, uh, guys like Atunai Samahe, etc. Uh, we've got one coming later this week. I had a great chance to catch up with BYU running back Hinkley Ropati, a guy who is expected to take on a bigger role for BYU's offense this year. We had a great one-on-one chat. Uh, either we'll get to that tomorrow or Thursday, depending on a couple couple other things I'm trying to juggle right now. I'm actually trying to chase down uh, a lead for our good friend Casey Finlinson. He actually reached out and asked me to see if I could get some intel on NIL for BYU. Depending on in terms of if I can get some interviews locked in, they'll kind of depend on when we play the Hinkley Ropati interview. But a couple of notes before we go on today's show is that Braden Moore, BYU forward, has officially entered the transfer portal that happened over the weekend. Not su- surprised by this, to be honest. Uh, Moore was really in over his head at BYU. It was uh, very evident early on. BYU redshirt 
redshirted him this year. He did not see action outside of some exhibition action for BYU this year, and he'll be looking for a new home. Uh, kind of weird though, because he was a guy who was pretty highly thought of, six foot nine, two hundred and ten pounds. Thought to have a guy who uh, could really stretch the floor and shoot the three at a high clip, but. It was readily apparent, according to people inside the program, that he just was not D1 caliber, at least initially. I wonder if he may consider going to a prep program uh, for maybe a year or so to kind of round out his game potentially and develop that way. Or if he decides to go the junior college route or drop down at a level, who knows what happens. But wishing Braden more the best as he moves forward with his BYU career. Also today, if you want to watch BYU baseball or softball in action, pending the weather, they've moved these games up to hopefully get them in uh, before bad weather moves in. BYU softball is supposed to host Boise State at Gale Miller Field at 2 o'clock this afternoon. There'll be a live stream of that on the BYU TV app if you want to tune into it. Uh, games at the BYU Softball uh, Complex, the Gale Miller Field Complex there, are actually free to the public. So if you want to go watch BYU take on Boise State in softball, get out there at 2 o'clock. Also, BYU Baseball is hosting Utah Valley, UVU, in a crosstown clash matchup this afternoon. It's also at 3 o'clock at Miller Park. Uh, BYU Baseball are actually paid tickets. You have to go to BYUtickets.com to get your game there. If you want to tune into it, though, you're not able to make it down to the ballpark. It will be on BYU Radio, 107.9 FM. Greg Ravel will be on the call on the radio side of things. It will also be on the BYU TV app streaming. Uh, Dave McCann and Gary Scheide, the legend himself, providing play-by-play and analysis of that match. It will be the 44th all-time meeting between the Cougars and the Wolverines, the first of two games in 2023 between uh, these two crosstown rivals second game is expected to be played on March 28th over in Orem. So big opportunity for BYU. They're 34-9 all-time versus the Wolverines and have won 13 straight games dating back to May 10th, 2016. Hopefully they can make that 14 straight uh, this afternoon. Alright, final note before we go on today's show. We've been talking about all 155 games in BYU football's history. We've started back in 2011. We have wound our way to the midway point of the 2014 season or just past the midway point of the 2014 season for BYU. Uh, obviously See the Cougars were struggling. They had come off back-to-back losses after losing Taysom Hill to that season-ending broken leg against uh, Utah State. They were welcoming in the Nevada Wolfpack, and Nevada was a team that was actually pretty decent uh, coming into this matchup. On it was, a, I think it was. Let me double check on the date here. It was October nineteenth, twenty fourteen. Uh, to get my date straight, and BYU started the game actually really well. And the thing about this is Christian Stewart had taken over as BYU starting quarterback, and he did everything within his power to give BYU a chance to win this game. Uh, the stat line for Christian Stewart in this game. 39 attempt, uh, 39 completions on 63 attempts. He threw the ball 63 times, passing for 408 yards, had four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Those numbers alone should be winning numbers as a quarterback out there, but when Cody Fajardo was on the other side, and apparently he decided to put uh, Nevada on his back and lead them to a victory, uh, Fajardo uh, completed uh, 26 of 40 passes, 285 yards. He had three total touchdowns in this game, and the thing is, BYU started out very nicely. They were actually up 28-10 to 10 at halftime. It felt like, okay, they're going to get the monkey off their back. They're going to be able to get a win here, get back into the win column feel a little bit better about themselves as they have come off of back-to-back losses against UCF and Utah State. But Nevada decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pile up, uh, excuse me, 29 unanswered points. No, excuse me. Is that 29? No. Yeah, it was. twenty. No, no, it can't be. It can't be. I'm looking at 42 points here. Regardless, they piled up 22 points alone in the fourth quarter and pulled away with a 42-35 to win over BYU. The Cougars, uh, like I said, up 28-10 to at halftime. You're thinking, okay, life should be good. No, that was 29 points in the second half. I, I'm just screwing this up as I do this live. Don't do math live on the air, folks. That's uh, something that I was taught in my radio career. I continue to try and do it. I should not do that. But nonetheless... 
Uh, he had a uh, Cody Fajardo was just absolutely a man amongst boys in that second half, leading them to the comeback win and sinking BYU to four and three on the season, their third straight loss. And we were getting closer and closer to rock bottom. That would come next week when BYU faced Boise State. But uh, the final note I wanted to pass along to you guys about this game is that BYU lost back to back home games for the first time since 2004. Many of you recall that 2004 was the final year of the Gary Croton era. BYU had not lost back-to-back home games in a decade, and they did that, losing this one in just a pretty rough fashion to Nevada. Nevada improved to 4-3. and three. BYU sunk to 4-3 and three and were 2-2 two and two on the season at home. But like I said, the worst was yet to come when it comes to that four-game losing streak, and we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's show. By the way, a couple of the notes in terms of the overall stats in this game. Uh, Jamal Williams uh, still injured in this, uh, was injured at this point in the season. BYU didn't end up running for 193 total yards in this game and a touchdown with Paul Lasique getting across the goal line, but just it wasn't enough. BYU could not seal the win, and the defense obviously had something to play with that. Mitch Matthews, by the way, I need to give a shout-out to him. I mentioned that uh, Christian Stewart passed for 408 yards. Mitch Matthews was a man amongst boys. 16 receptions, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. That's an average of 11.4 yards per reception. Incredible numbers for Mitch Matthews. Obviously a guy who's done really good things in his years since leaving BYU in uh, being uh, an entrepreneur and that type of stuff, but that's a that's a man's effort right there for him in that Nevada game, despite the loss to the Wolfpack. But like I said, we'll talk about Boise State tomorrow and the end of what would be a very, very rough uh, month of October for BYU in 2014. We'll get to all of that on tomorrow's show. So there you go. You're caught up to speed on everything I can think of you guys need to know about on BYU today. So thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Hoops, football, and everything in between. Josh Neighbors will have you covered. That's uh, Locked On Big 12. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's also available on YouTube. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.